Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, and welcome back to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we speak about happiness and the human condition or something like that. Taymor, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm, look, I'll be honest with you. I am, I've been thriving for the past two weeks. You've been thriving. I've been thriving. You've been thriving despite not recording the podcast. Despite not, yeah, I never <laughs> thought I never thought we, I'd get to that point where I could thrive without doing a weekly podcast. But here, uh, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> You're thriving. I, I don't think I've ever heard you say that. It's always been yeah. like, all right, mate, I'll go be honest with you. <laughs> no, I've not been feeling great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I'm, I'm thriving, bro. I'm thriving. Why are you thriving? What's going on? So maybe just... Uh, for the listeners, we can just do a little recap on the past few weeks. So we probably haven't done a pod in three, four weeks. I think it's been over a month. Been the over YouTube, a month. YouTube channel said one month ago. One month ago. Yeah, so I think it's been like four weeks. So essentially, we were in Pakistan for a couple of weeks. Um, so two weeks ago, about two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago, we got back. Um, that was a little family trip, attend a wedding, do some work, yada, yada. Um, that was good fun. And then essentially, since getting back from Pakistan, I've been thriving. Since getting back? Yeah. And let me tell you why. The reason is because I got a personal trainer. <laughs> really? <laughs> Just like you said. Here we go. <laughs> How long have I been recommending this to you for? At least a year. It's been a while. It's been yeah. a while. Um, yeah, finally um, finally took the thumb out and got a personal trainer. Took the thumb out? What does that mean? Uh, you know, bit the bullet. Jumped, jumped the gun. No, jumped, I think jumped the gun is different. Jumped the gun is different. Yeah. yeah. Like, I bit what, the bullet. What does, what does the phrase took the thumb out mean? Ali, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you finally took the thumb out of wherever right you got a personal got trainer, a trainer. Well, so what's had, been going on there so we had um we had two sessions last week i'll tell you one thing which one 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 factor which has helped me thrive is that we were in pakistan for two weeks and my sleep schedule was shifted and so since getting back to the uk i'm i'm no longer on my waste man schedule of like wake up at like 9 a.m and still feel kind of tired mm. instead i like wake up at well for the first few days of waking up at like 5 a.m 6 a.m now I'm like consistently waking up around 7 a.m., going to bed early, just feeling great about it. Yes. Um, you need to bring your microphone closer to your mouth, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah, so started doing personal trainer. We do it in the mornings. It's just the best way to start the day, best way to start the week. And this guy just like works me like a dog, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what did he do to you? This, it just doesn't... A man just can't get a break with him. <laughs> you know, it just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just i was thinking like it actually gives me more bang for my buck when i go to the gym because i'd probably work at like 40 percent intensity compared to what he makes me do and i think we actually overdid it i think in, in week one it's uh we've, we're just ending week two i think in week one we overdid it and i literally could not move my arms for the rest of the week um it, like it was really painful but i think that's it's also kind of natural um, and to be honest, right, I, I, I'd prefer him to take that approach rather than for him to take the approach of, uh, let's start you, with just benching the bar. Yeah. You know, let's, let's start really easy. You know, you haven't been to the gym for a few months. Let's, you know, let's get into it for the first few weeks. Instead he was like, right, let's 
bang it out, bro. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, just no dilly-dallying. Um, yeah, it's just, it just feels good. So, okay, so what's been the difference that it's made to your life? And, and what does your routine look like these days when you're in St. Albans? My routine looks like I wake up between like 7 and 7.30. And then um, like two days a week, I'll have my personal trainer at the gym. So I'm actually trying to do like 6 a.m. sessions with him. We've had a few 6 a.m. I think 6 a.m. would be probably 6 a.m. sessions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, okay. I think that would be ideal. Because then it's when you get home, it's 7 a.m. <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable. And you've got two hours of like watching David Dobrik vlogs. <laughs> no, no, I don't do yeah. that stuff anymore. I don't, don't do that stuff anymore, man. My goodness. Yeah. You've transformed. I'm flourishing, dude. Of course I'm not watching David Dobrik vlogs. <laughs> Mate, I spent two hours this morning watching David Dobrik vlogs. <laughs> really? No, he has been back on the He's scene. He's been back on he? the scene, yeah. The Views podcast is back. After yeah. he got cancelled, he, he took a bit of a break for a few months. Yeah. Kind of like us. <laughs> yeah. And, then, exactly. and I'm back with a bang. Kind of like us. <laughs> Actually, I want to talk to you about this. Uh, wait, let, let me finish my spiel about the personal Please. trainer. Then I'm curious to get your thoughts on a few things. Yeah, I think um, I think the other thing is that also you know, sort of Causal is enter, entering its next phase. And my role at Causal is kind of shifting a bit where I'm going to be kind of less in the weeds of, of kind of um, nitty gritty day-to-day stuff and working on more high, higher level sort of long, long-term things. Um, so at the moment, that's kind of like recruiting and our sort of... You know, yeah, just lots of things around recruiting and uh, sort of culture and stuff like that. Um, and so that that basically means that I have I still have a bunch of calls, but I have I have like fewer calls. Like my calendar is owned by me to a greater extent, um, rather than yeah, just being like shock a block because customers need to talk to me. Um, so I think that's actually really helped as well. And I think also being able to like unplug from some of the day-to-day stuff it just means that i'm kind of much more on it with the other things i was doing like like, like previously i was doing like a million things very hard to kind of stay on top of everything now i'm doing a more manageable set of of things and so i can do each of those actually like to a decent degree um where i, I kind of feel good about things at the end of the day and i have a like clear things a set of things i'm working on and i'm not mm. sort of flitting around between things too much um so that's been nice as well so what does a what does a standard day in the life of tamar abdal look like these days these days Standard day in life, get up between 7 and 7.30, pray, have some breakfast. Maybe if it's a gym day, I'll go to the gym. Um, then you come home and read the Quran for two hours. Yeah, come over <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Baby okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think previously when my job was like really in the weeds of the day to day, you know, you sometimes wake up and like it would feel like a bit of a slog, a bit of a grind. Because you're like, okay, I'm just going to check my calendar and I'm just going to, I'm just going to be like spanked around all day, basically. Whereas now there's like a list of sort of, you know, there was like a very clear list of three things that I wanted to do this week, you know, quite a, sort of, you know, I, I think they're pretty high value things. And, and I feel much more motivated to do them. Like I am. What were those three things? Sorry. What were those three things? This week there was a, I, ha- I had to produce a first draft of our company values for us all to just kick off the discussion nice. with the team about that next week uh, i had to produce uh, some job job descriptions job specs for some role act roles that we're urgently hiring for yep. uh, and i had to design a little bit of ui for our views feature view views <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know three well-defined things i mean to be honest we've gotten to the end of the week it's it's saturday I've done like one and a half out of the three things, but I still feel pretty good because I'm very happy to continue doing that stuff over the weekend mm. and like it's fun and motivating and, and kind oh, of gives me writing job specs. Yeah, writing job specs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds fun and motivating. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. Um it's just it's a different kind of work, 
you know? And I think I enjoy that much more. Okay. So, yeah, that's kind of the work stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm thriving, man. I'm thriving. To be honest, I, when I was getting up at like 5, 6 a.m., I was thinking about why does this feel so good? And I think partly why if it was feeling good. I mean, look, I'm getting up at 7 a.m. now, so I'm, you know, I'm part of normal society, I guess. But when you're getting up, if you're like getting up at 5 a.m., it felt like I was opting out of society in a way. It felt like I was, I just got, it, I felt peace, brother. I felt peace. <laughs> what do you mean? It felt like I was just unplugging, you know? Unplugging as in unplugging from society, unplugging from the matrix. Like what, what sort of, what, 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 I like, think unplugging from society. It okay. felt, it felt like I am in the driver's seat now, you know? Hmm. You t- you've taken control of your day. I've taken control You're of my crushing it day. in the morning when no one's awake. Yeah, there's just, uh, yeah, it's all the cliche stuff morning people, you know, sort of the douchey morning people say. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Just like, oh, you know, yeah, there's a really a sense of calm in the morning, you know, like, you know, you can think clearly, all this kind of rubbish, right? It's all true. But I, I do think the important thing is the, this feeling of unplugging from society and and kind of being in the driver's seat. Like there's something so nice about going to bed at 10 p.m you know, or like 9, 9.30, 10 p.m. It just feels incredible. Yeah, one, one of the, um, one of our tutors in, in med school wrote, used to write a weekly weekly email newsletter to, really? to the students. Yeah, it was great. Wow, he was um, ahead of the curve. Yeah, she, actually. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's <laughs> wow. Um, and one of the things that she wrote was that um, an hour before 9 a.m. is worth two hours after 5 p.m. And I was like, ooh, yeah. that's interesting. And somewhat, I, f- I find to be fairly true in my experience as well. Like recently, I've also done the whole, st- started to do the whole waking up early, sleeping early thing. Yeah. And like I get home from the studio at like 9.30-ish after having dinner with people. And then I was like, huh, I've kind of got two and a half hours to kill before bed. What do I do? Then I realized, no, I don't actually. <laughs> I could just sleep right now. Yeah. And so I had like a lazy evening routine, Turned, put on the candle in my bedroom, turned the lights off, did the whole Andrew Huberman lab thing of like reducing light exposure, read some read on the Kindle, had a great night's sleep and woke up at like 7 a.m. the next day, feeling feeling super Sick. refreshed. Yeah. And thinking that I actually don't need to fill two hours of time in the evening doing just like scrolling Twitter or rewatching my own YouTube videos. Scrolling <laughs> <laughs> your own tweets or rewatching your own videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually can just fall asleep. And yeah. life is great then. It's unbelievable. I think it's about unplugging. I think it's about like opting out. Opting out from society, I think is what it's about. Opt- uh, okay. So what, what do you mean? And that you can't have a social life if you sleep at 9 p.m.? It does make the social life difficult. Like we had a little dinner party last week and that really threw things out of whack. I think there's just less commotion in the morning. Yeah, I, I think I just, I just felt like I'm in the driver's seat and I, I do what I want kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it's also partly because it is like a few hours before, you know, work obligations truly begin. That's that's probably like a big part of it. Yeah, I feel like waking up early in the morning, it's like work obligations for me don't really start until like sometimes 12, often like occasionally 10. Whoa. And so when I wake up at seven, I'm like, whoa, I have like five hours to myself before the work obligations start. Yeah. And that feels great. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that's definitely part of it. Um, but I've been recently thinking that like, I I probably have too many work obligations. Like I was chatting to another founder friend of mine in London and he was, he showed me his calendar and I was like, I was like, wow, you should start a Twitter account. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he showed me his calendar and he was like, yeah, dude, I, I hate meetings. I hate like 
internal recurring meetings and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I basically mostly have, have my day to myself. And I was like, damn, that's an option. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to rethink my work obligations going forwards. Um, but yeah, no, look, man, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. How are you doing? I was in the, in the lift on the way up to this, to this, uh, fifth floor flat last night thinking, damn, I really can't imagine life getting any better than this. So yeah, thriving. What was, what was, um, so good about it last night? I think it's just sort of the general climate of what's been going on in life mm. feels really positive at the moment. Yeah. You got your um, office. Yeah. Sorry, the studio. I've got, I've got the studio. I, you know, I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I sleep <laughs> and it's good. <laughs> it's generally quite fun. Um, yeah. Life is just fantastic. So work-wise, you know, I think I finally kind of admitted to myself and to the internet that I've left medicine. So now I no longer have that like as a, a thing hanging over my shoulders. Did you feel like that was hanging over your shoulders? Oh yeah, definitely. Like almost every really? day I'd, I'd kind of think that, am I kind of doing the right thing? What do I want to do with my life? That, that sort of stuff. Wow. So now that's gone. Um, we've now finished our current, like this cycle of recruiting. So we got a videographer a few days ago. All of our writers are ramped up. Um, Angus is one of my one of my colleagues is now managing the business side of the business mm. completely fine yeah. in like a nice way uh loads of stuff is being done behind the scenes without me even really knowing about it uh which is awesome and so i can kind of do the thing where i don't have to show up to all these meetings and figure out like is the business going okay are things working yeah yeah and i can focus on creating content yeah <laughs> <laughs> content <laughs> um yeah did uh, had a little uh had a little sesh I, I'm not sure we had a, a, I wonder if we had an episode after this point. It was um, when I realized that I actually don't need to worry about consistent upload schedule. I can just upload videos whenever I feel like it. And Wait, what changed there? Are you now just at a scale where you make the rules, not the algorithm? Uh, basically, yeah. I mean, the algorithm has always been about like actually good videos rather than consistent videos. The algorithm sort of follows what people, oh, what see, okay. preferences people have. And it is, it is still like good beginner advice that focus on quantity rather than quality. But I think it's like that advice of get going and then and then get good. Mm. And now we're definitely at the point, like way beyond that point where we, we, we know what it takes to make a decent video. Mm. So now we have to just make the decent videos rather than being beholden to an upload schedule. Right. I also realized, similar to the, the insight that we had with this podcast, that having sponsors each week mm. does kind of behold you to an upload schedule. Right. Which is in some ways good, in some ways bad. And we decided to allow the sponsors for this particular podcast. Mm. Um because we didn't like being beholden to that schedule, which in hindsight was probably a bad thing because we've really gone off mm. the rails in terms of consistency since then. But I think on the YouTube channel as well, I'd been holding myself to a once a week upload schedule for the sake of sponsors. Um, and often I felt like in the last few months, we were sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel for video content just mm. because, oh yeah, crap, we need to, to get it. a video out for tomorrow. So now we're not in that position anymore. And even while we were in Pakistan, I didn't film anything at all. Mm. Like for two and a bit weeks in Pakistan. Yeah, you barely took any pictures as well. Actually, you took some pictures. Yeah, but they weren't like for the, they were, I, you know, I took a bunch of personal pics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't doing any content. I wasn't doing any content. And the channel is now growing faster than it's ever grown before. Because hmm. one of the videos <laughs> we put out about this book, How to Not Die Alone, yeah. went semi-viral. Oh, nice. Hit like 800k views within like a week. And loads more people are finding the channel and revisiting the back catalogue. So channel revenue is up to like insane proportions. Nice. Um, Despite the maybe because of the fact they just haven't uploaded videos in a while. Yeah, just make less content. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> Gary V's had it wrong this whole time. <laughs> 100 pieces of content a day, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So all of this stuff is adding to a general feeling of calm. Mm. Uh, I've said to the team that I, I need to have three hours blocked out every morning, so I'm not allowed to be in any meetings before 12, mm. uh, so that I can write the book. Mm. So the book is making some amount of progress. I had a chat with my two editors, the UK and US ones, yesterday, 
who gave me a bit of a kick up the backside <laughs> I, oh, really? and, and to take the book a bit more seriously. Um, but yeah, mate, just a thriving bruv. Thriving. I love it. I love it. Okay, so one of the things I wanted to get your thoughts on, so, you know, as you know, as Call Center is, is next phase, you know, there's going to be a lot of hiring, growing the team, yada yada, and I know you've kind of said in the past that like, okay, we now have I don't know, like twenty people or something, um, and you know, you've kind of sometimes thought like, okay, why do we need do we need all these people? Like we, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. It seems like, it seems like David Dobrik still like does his own editing. You know, I think he still does his own editing. Okay. I, he definitely posts Instagram stories of him on his laptop with like Final Cut Pro or whatever oh. you use. Okay. Like I think he does. I, I think he does do his own editing, and like so he recently started his a new style of vlogs that's a bit longer. Yeah, like, a bit more kind of voice voice, Yeah, yeah, just like a new style, and I think he's kind of like playing with that. And I think he he I I do actually think he does own mm. editing. How how come you decided that you don't want to do that? Like, did you just, did you not enjoy that actual technical side of? videos and stuff like that i think if you're david dobrik where you're crafting the story in the edit where you're filming large amounts of footage in the hope that interesting things will happen mm. and then you have to stitch it together into like a sort of four minute 21 second okay, or yeah, up to, to six yeah. minute narrative yeah that's very hard a very hard thing to outsource to someone else especially when you're crafting voiceover segments especially when it's about things that happen in your own life that yeah. then then me and cindy went over to this and yeah. then we did that and now oh, here's another segment the latest video <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thumbnail um so in in the, in that context, it makes total sense for him to still do yeah. his editing. In my context, like the editing is not what makes the video good. Hopefully, what okay. makes the video good is the writing and the personality and you know, mm-hmm. just the vibes and the bounce. Um, and so I prefer to have more time doing that side of things. And then once I film the video, I can just relax knowing that it's in the hands of someone who is competent at editing it. Okay, that's fair. I am also kind of thinking around like, you know, what stuff do I want to completely unplug from a causal versus what stuff do I still want to want to be like pretty involved in? Mm. You know, there are companies that are just like super lean, right? Like I think WhatsApp was like a stupidly small number of people when it mm. got acquired for like $20 billion or something. I think Instagram was also like 10 people when it got acquired for like a billion dollars. So like there, there are companies that are just like stupidly lean. I think, and as I'm always thinking like, okay, you know, do we actually need so many people? Um, yes, I think there's two. Yeah, I think to be honest, it's it's hard. It's hard because like, it does depend on the business. Like with David, with what David Dobrik does on his vlogs, like yeah, the editing is kind of where he injects the art himself. I think, I think it's also a case of like, what sort of, what sort of lifestyle do you want? Um, when you have money in the bank, then, and you know, in, in your case, if you're funded, in other cases, if you're profitable, <laughs> wow yeah a bit of a dig there I really had to uh, um, when you have money up. in the bank the question becomes what, what do you do with that cash like when you have the ability to hire people to do stuff yeah i think there is an element of you kind of might as well and yes when you hire people it does add some like level of overhead some level of managerial overhead it's like yada yada as you would say but honestly i don't see very many asset classes that return more than building the business and provided the kind of life i want is one that has a bigger team, then it feels like those two sort of pistons in the engine are aligned. Well, no, I think I think that makes sense at a high level, and and like that's why people grow grow businesses in terms of headcount. But I think the the sort of just hire someone to do the thing. It feels like the easiest answer, but I I feel very sure that after after a certain point, you could get more gains from like making sure your organization is set up in the right way and stuff like that sure. rather than from hiring that extra person and i always kind of think like you know we we're, we're just assuming a bunch of things around how a business needs to operate like 
um, you know, what kind of teams we need, how much time we need to spend with customers. Like we just, we just have like so many assumptions on which all of this stuff is built. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I have a concrete point here, but it's just something I've been like thinking about mm. of like, okay, are we really sure that, I, yeah, I guess it just it requires being thoughtful about is the organization set up to be able to accept more people in a way that they'll be like reproductive. Yes. Uh, the way we think about this is that every, so we've been, I've, I've told you in the past about this book called Traction, mm. which kind of lays out this entrepreneurial operating system. And we've been working with one of the implementers. And so every time we have a session with this guy and we actually have one coming up next week, um, one of the first things we do is we draw out the organizational chart. And then we ask, is this the right structure for the business for the next 12 months? Mm. And each time we've done this, we have made slight tweaks to the org chart thinking, okay, actually, if we imagine the business 12 months from now and where we want to get to, if we ignore the people and we just think in terms of structure and try and kind of abstract it with the people away, just thinking in terms of structure, what would this business look like? Mm. We draw out the structure, we quibble about this back and forth. And then at that point, we put people into the, into the boxes. And then it becomes, and then the next question becomes, are the right people in the right seats? And we see exactly where the holes are. We're like, oh, okay, there, hole there, hole there, hole there. We see this person is in five different seats. That is probably a problem because if someone is doing five different things, mm -hmm. they're probably not doing any of them to the best of their abilities. It's probably not their, their zone of genius to be in all five seats at the same time. Mm. And there is a level at which when you're a startup and when you're small, and you want to keep things lean, people are wearing multiple hats. Mm. But then we start seeing that, huh, why is, for example, Jakob doing the marketing and the all learning pages and all the social media and all the website and the newsletter? That's mm. probably a bit much. Yeah. If we, for example, had someone specialized in the social media seat, yeah. what gains would that have? Right. Would it be someone who can spend their entire full-time job devoted to how do we grow Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn? Mm. How do we make amazing content across those platforms? Getting really in the weeds with all that stuff. Mm. While Jakob then focuses on the marketing sides, landing pages, and the newsletter and website. Still quite a lot of things to do. Yeah. Um, and then we think, okay, is it worth, like, the, the way I think of it is, if I could have a smart, competent person on this thing full-time, would it be worth it for the business? Yeah. And the answer in, in that case is usually yes. And if we can afford it, and there is no better use for that money other than sticking in real estate, which yields two percent a year, mm -hmm. to me it feels like okay. Well, we might as well we we, we might as well hire. Maybe that's a bad no, no, way here's of thinking. Here's yeah. the thing. Yeah. So I think I think if you think if you think to that level, it's very easy to justify. You know, if you have a business that's going well, that's fairly high leverage, it's very easy to justify an extra person. You know, it's like, you know, and you know, we could also think of that way of like, okay, if we make this higher, if it let's let's say it's someone on like the sales or the marketing side, right? If we make this higher, okay. Based on their salary, they would need to, if they get us like 10 customers or something, you know, they've kind of made back, you know, the it's ROI positive. And it's very easy, like you, you can keep doing that thinking and like the math will always add up in terms of like, okay, yeah, it's net positive, net positive. Yeah. The thing that, that that thinking ignores is like, okay, what's the cost on the rest of the organization? And like, is it, could there be something that's dramatically higher ROI than hiring that that person for that like really obvious legible thing like sales yeah i think the organizational cost is hard to quantify yeah like how do you how do you think about organizational cost i'm not too sure i i have i just have a general sense that like it'll take some energy from some people for a new person in an organization to do well basically okay like in the short term or forever just forever okay like even as simple as like okay now their manager has has an extra one weekly one on one to do with okay, them yeah so that's like an easy way of now figuring out the there's like there's like a five percent chance that 
some issue arises with another teammate and now a bunch of people have to like try and resolve that you know etc like yeah just stuff like that yeah i mean the way i see it is that you are making your machine slower but you're also increasing its firepower yeah sure yeah and so like for example as we've added more people it's become become harder for me to sort of change direction and we sort of avoid this organizational whiplash thing mm. but it's also meant that when we settle on something yes it takes like freaking four months to launch something that previously would have taken me four hours to launch but Hopefully, when that thing launches, it's got a team behind it. I am crucially, I don't have to be involved in the day to day running of the thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, the more of these things we can create, the more leverage we we have, mm. um, and the more I can focus on the things that I want to do while the business remains profitable and growing. Hopefully, yeah, I think it makes sense. Organizational sizes vary, obviously, from zero to to hundreds of thousands of people. Like. People have figured out the problems around, uh, yes, the systems that you have when you've got three people are not the same systems when you have 12 or 36 people, but yes, and and yes, there is some extra work taken to onboard people well, there there is managerial overhead. But I think once you've gotten over that, at least for me, as we've added people, I have felt that the things have felt actually more fun. Like now we have a critical mass of people in the in the studio at any given time to make it fun. Like even mm-hmm. on non-work from studio days, we have like four or five people in the office. That's nice, yeah. And that's like yeah. really good vibes, you know. We, all right, guys, what are you having for lunch today? Is it KFC? Mm. Is it Ahi Pokey? Is yeah, it like whatever? Yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of... It's just like a generally more positive atmosphere. Yeah. Which, love, love a bit of small talk. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, which is also... Which is what you don't get when you have yeah. organizations that are a smaller size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, we're soon going to be like four people at Causal HQ on a pretty regular basis um a few days a week which would be nice mm. rather than just me and lucas no offense to lucas i think i think you should consider getting like an actual office space worth considering yeah i think it just depends on how many people we end up hiring yeah. in the uk because like we're, we're sort of a remote company i think broadly people will be between like east coast and central european time so like it'll be europe slash east coast then we can't go too far outside of that generally uh, it's unclear how many of those people will be in London. That's the thing. Okay, yeah, fair. Um, but yeah, you know, if if uh, if the current space doesn't stops working, then yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely scale it up. But yeah, I, I love the in person thing, man. It's great. Mm. Anyway, how do we get onto that? Uh, we were talking about you thriving. You, mm. you said, oh, you were thinking about this thing. Like, why do you need all these people? David Dobrik, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So how are you thinking about that in terms of why do you need more? Why do you need more people? I think our company is actually fairly you know it's it's not going to be the most operationally lean of businesses okay uh, and just for context how many people do you currently have we're 12 people right now okay. yeah the reason we're not going to be super operationally lean is because we're going to need a large sales and customer success team uh you know we're always going to be doing you know some kind of top-down sales to companies that will hopefully pay us lots of money where you need a salesperson to to like close the deal and then you need a customer success person to sort of help the customer get set up and provide ongoing support and things like that and so i think you know maybe like 40 40 and 50 percent of the organization will just always be like sales and customer success people um and so i think we'll you know whereas for example like with whatsapp right like you just need a, a product and engineering team and then like you know if if a new person signs up to whatsapp you don't need to do any extra work and like yes in, in theory with software like there's zero marginal cost to like selling an extra an extra piece of your software but like if you have bigger companies using it and stuff like there is a bit of marginal cost of like helping them yeah. sure um so yeah i think for that re- for that that's kind of one area where we need to grow the team and then yeah right now we just don't have enough firepower particularly on the 
design and product side of things like i've i'm the only person who does design at causal um i've done almost none of it over the past like seven or eight months because i've just been focusing on the sales side um so there's lots of stuff that like that we could be working on you know if we if we had like someone else who could do design as well there's a bunch of stuff that they could that, that, that we could be working on that would be really helpful yeah i mean so i kind of don't get I, th- I think your fear of growing the organization too fast and this organizational cost is it, 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 it seems to me you actually could have hired this designer six months ago, for example, and completely offloaded that. And yes, there is some level of cost, but imagine being able to clone yourself and having that person just doing design. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. A whole, whole full time job. Yeah, we went we went like back and forth and internally about, OK, like, how should we be thinking about this? Yeah. And what we ultimately decided was like, look, the only thing that matters right now is getting to product market fit faster. And actually hiring a designer wouldn't have gotten us there. Okay, the thing right. that would get us there is is doing more sales more quickly. Mm. Um, and now we're at this sort of inflection point where like, okay, we, we feel like we have something figured out. And, and so actually internally, you know, there was, a, there was, this would always come up around like, oh man, why don't we just like spend a bit of time hiring this person? Like there's just so many obvious things that we could have hired for. Um, but, you know, hiring for those things would take time supporting those people to make them successful would take time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you know, if it's a case of hire a designer and that delays us getting to product market fit by even like one month or two months, it's, it's actually just not worth it. Okay. Uh, so, so we, we kind of drew this line in the sand of, okay, you know, let's get to product market fit. And then, you know, once we're there, then we will let ourselves make the longer term investments by having like proper systems for things, by growing the team, all that stuff. And so, you know, we're now at that sort of inflection point. And now we're thinking, you know, pre- previously we were thinking very month to month. We were thinking, okay, we need to grow revenue 30% month on month, like for six, seven months or whatever, right? Um, that, that's literally the only thing that matters. Now, you know, now the, the heuristic is something more like, okay, you know, three years from now we want an like an, an exceptional organization and so we we should be doing stuff that will give us a great organization three years from now mm, not okay. that'll you know we don't care so much about month to month that's a good way of thinking about it like what is the heuristic what, what's our like sort of philosophy yeah, for now you, you have to decide on like what what time frame do i care about what yeah along what time frame do i care about the outcome like if we still cared about doing stuff month to month i'd still be on like sales calls all day yeah like trying to close deals um but we don't care about that because if i'm on sales calls for the next three months we'll have a worse organization three years from now kind of vibes okay and so you know i think that the time horizon is is now shifted and and that's i think mm-hmm. that's that's great for everyone because now we can like fix all the things that feel like they're breaking and broken and we can that's a very good yeah. shout. Yeah, I think for us, our time horizon was how do we make the next cohort of PTYA good? <laughs> like a part-time YouTuber academy, which was mm-hmm. always like the time horizon of a few months. Yeah. And now that feels like... Actually, I still think we're probably in the sort of few months time horizon stage because our YouTuber academy contributes over 50% of our revenue as a business. Um, it still has no marketing channels other than my own YouTube channel. And that feels not very anti-fragile or quite mm. fragile. Yeah. Um, and so as we launch our other YouTube channel to, to kind of act as a marketing lever for that, then at, at that point, I'm like, okay, once that is done and, you know, what, we, what we're trying to do is build the team to a point where that extra project can work without my input. Now, all of a sudden, we have stuff that can happen in the business that is actually does, that actually happens completely without me. Yeah. 
And that means that I can focus on the thing that really adds leverage, which will, which will be w- working on the book. Mm-hmm. Um, while this big team that we have around it can add firepower to this other thing. Yeah, yeah. How about your personal life? Personal life. Any updates you want to share? <laughs> no, feel free to say no. <laughs> What's been going on in my personal life? Yeah, I feel like my head is mostly, for the past like couple of months, my head has mostly been in the business. And I'm actually okay with that. I'm not doing too much. I played tennis this morning with some lads. I think having like a, I mean, we've talked about this all the time, right? Having yeah, like why a don't we book. make this the regular badminton thing happen? Okay, one of the issues that is that it's actually non-trivial to just like regularly book a court. Like someone needs to sit down once a week when the booking's open yeah. to like get a good slot. Okay. Basically. But like, for example, if we could, I can ask Dan to do that for us. Yeah, I'm 100% down. Yeah, I think it would have to be like a morning thing. Basically, all right, we don't need to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, morning, maybe like Thursday or Friday morning. Why does it have to be a morning thing? Because I think in the evenings, most leisure center sports halls are booked up with like other things, mm. other like actual actual events, events type things like, you know, like a karate class or whatever, or like some public badminton session, which obviously mm. we don't want to go to. We don't want to go to a public badminton session? I don't know. Depend- yeah. Depends how good the club is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that could be worth looking into. Um. Yep. So personal life you're saying is fairly non-existent. You've been focusing, had your head in the business and gym is yeah. going well for you and occasionally playing tennis with the lads. Yeah. I haven't had too much stability recently with all the travel. I'm actually going to Turkey next week for a oh, few days. Nice. Uh, so there'll be continued instability. What about you? Personal life is good. Yeah. I feel like there've been very few occasions where I've like had a meal on my own. Really? Which feels pretty good. Yeah, it seems like every Saturday you go to for breakfast with someone, usually out for dinner with people. Yeah, so that's like pretty nice. And I think that's one of the benefits of being in London where that is just more more, more possible. Mm. Like there was a, an evening a few days ago where I'd finished in the studio at like six. And then I'd come home and I was like, right, well, it's 6.30. I probably can't sleep right now. So I should probably like do something in the evening. Yeah. And I'd been to the gym already that day. And I was like, I actually don't have any evening plans. Mm-hmm. And that felt a bit like, oh, crap. Like, I'd been kind of going from one thing to another to another to yeah, another yeah. for the whole day. And then suddenly I was sudden came to this sudden stop where I was like, what do I do? Mm. And so I messaged a couple of people saying, hey, do you want to grab dinner? And while waiting for the replies, I was thinking, hmm, okay, well, if I have an evening to myself, oh, it would be nice. I can listen to an audiobook, start a new, some, start yeah. listening to some new fiction because I haven't read fiction in a while. I can go to the gym again, maybe go to the spa, just sort of chill. Yeah. And then our friend James got back to me being like, yeah, I'll come over at eight. So it was like, oh, great. So he and I then had a gym and spa session. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and then you listen to a fiction audiobook together. <laughs> quite, yeah, I know it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I was kind of wondering at that point, like, am I just bad at spending time on my own? But I feel like I am sometimes in the mood to socialize and sometimes not in the mood to socialize. And that that particular day, I was in the mood because I felt like I still had energy. Yeah, I was in the mood to socialize. Yeah. Whereas on another day, I might be like, okay, cool. I'm glad I have nothing on this evening because then I can just, I don't know, sit at home, read, yeah. and then sleep early. Yeah, I'm finding that like. If every evening something's going on, I don't really like it that much. Mm. I definitely need one. Of, you know, it's nice to not have something going on in the evening. Yeah. The other thing is like, I find it nice when an evening is, is empty and I can actually arrange something with someone like on the fly. Because yeah, on the in fly other, stuff is good. Yeah. In other contexts, it's like a calendar events arranged two, two, two to four weeks in advance where it's like, okay, I know I've got this dinner coming up. Yeah. But for example, 
I know I probably have a free morning tomorrow. And so a friend messaged me today being like, hey, you're in London. We should catch up sometime. And I just said, what about breakfast tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. And that feels like, oh, I can just do that. Or yeah. are you free for a coffee like now? <laughs> yeah. The impromptu sessions just, they just feel so good. Yeah. Because I, th- I think because you can actively decide there and then that this is a thing I actively want to do. Yeah. Whereas when it's been arranged in advance, even though I might be looking forward to the thing, yeah. I feel like it was previous me that made the decision to do this thing. And now current me has to deliver on it. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, although the event is going to be fun, yeah. you don't get that it's, feeling. It's not of, perfectly aligned with your mood. Whereas if you yeah. decide to impromptu do something, it's mm. perfectly aligned with how you're feeling in the yeah. moment. Well, what's your biggest challenge these days, would you say? Biggest challenge? Yeah, it's probably just figuring out organizational stuff at, at, um, at Causal. That's kind of what I'm doing a lot of reading about and trying to figure out and spending most of my time on at the moment. Yeah, not super exciting, but there you go. Yeah. What about you? I think for me, it's kind of making the time to do book stuff and taking it seriously. Yeah, what do you mean by taking it seriously? Like, why do your editors think you, you haven't been doing that so far? Oh, I don't, I, I, I don't think they have. It's just like, the thing is, I think you have to be in a, when 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 writing a book, you've got to be in, you've got to switch between like heuristics. <laughs> um, okay. And currently the heuristic is I need to get as much crap onto the page as soon as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I need to be in the mode of let's imagine I were, I were turning this chapter into a YouTube video. What yeah, like? yeah. Just get the first draft. Yeah. To get the first draft. Um, and so I sent my two editors a couple of chapters of this sort of YouTube first draft and they gave some really useful feedback on it. But I think that feedback is for heuristic number two heuristic 2.0 which is not where i am right now oh okay where the where or where the feedback was around more about like incorporating more scientific evidence into it making it less like using fewer youtube examples because it's not quite relatable to kind of an audience that doesn't already know me yada yada, yada. and all of that makes perfect sense but i think for the first draft i'm still in kind of let's just bang out a first draft as soon as possible and then we'll figure out where the holes are we'll figure out whether the argument is coherent etc etc yeah but i think like even though i've got theoretically these like three hours of time in the morning to just focus on book stuff i haven't been so like why does it it not happen like you do actually sit down for three hours and you're just not writing enough or does it get taken up with other things so for so this morning for example i had a breakfast thing at 10 i woke up at half seven and so I had a solid two and a half hours in which I could I could have done stuff. Yeah. And then I ended up watching David Dobrik's recent blogs. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you know, I could write now. But like, oh, you know, actually, we put out a vlog yesterday, which actually I haven't seen in a while. So let me just watch my own video. Uh, let me read the comments on that. Let me reply to some comments. Let me hot some comments. Mm. And then Lucia woke up and was like, okay, have a bit of a chat. And I was like, you know, I've had my coffee. Now it's time for a poo. It's just like random stuff happened to the point where this theoretically theoretical two and a half hours I had of writing time yeah. ended up being zero time for writing and instead just watching random crap on YouTube or doing random admin. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of the issue is that there's no, there's no like, there's no actual deadline here. Like there's a, a an overall deadline for the book manuscript to be roughly done by kind of mid of, middle of next year. And whenever I try and break it down into, I will have done chapter two by this time. Yeah. I end up like knowing that that deadline that I've set myself is kind of arbitrary and doesn't really have oh, a, I see. Okay. a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there isn't really a sense of urgency for actually I should probably get around and doing this. Yeah. Uh, get around to do this. And so there are all these things that I, <laughs> that I, I could do like putting money on the line getting an accountability partner, all that, all that jazz. The, the stuff that you'll be preaching in your book. Of course. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I haven't written those chapters yet, so I don't know what, uh, yeah, what it is yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, need to, yeah. I need to make it up first. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why that's hard to do. One of the one of the interesting insights that I had when I was in Pakistan is actually I did not do this this morning, which is why this didn't work. 
It's just this thing of set, set, setting like a, well, what's, what's the one thing I'm going to do today? Yeah. And then lowering the bar for that thing as much as possible. Mm. So for example, I found that in Pakistan, what I was doing was like, okay, write 500 words for chapter two. Yeah. Um, but then I realized that actually it gets, it gets done better when I rephrase it. Like I literally write down as write 500 crappy words for the crappy first draft of chapter two. <laughs> and the more I can embrace the fact that I know this is going to be bad, mm. the more I get through that like sense of perfectionism and yeah, like, this has yeah. to be good. And the more I start writing and then I look up and I'm like, oh, I bashed out 1300 words in the last like 20 minutes. And I just yeah. didn't realize it. Yeah. And so I need to embrace more of that. And on days where I don't set my kind of what one thing am I, am I doing today? Um, I don't get anything done. And on days that I do, I just feel like, yeah. even if I don't get it done like there and then, I, it, it at least at least gives me this thing in the back of my mind, this sort of sensible default. Hmm. that The one thing I need to get done today okay, is I just... Do my crappy I, words yeah. and then see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to write on the screen, man. Because you're, you're used to reading finished products on the screens. It feels weird to write like really rough things on a screen, hmm. you know? There was actually um, there's a there's a YouTube account, uh, a Twitter account. Sorry, sorry. Uh, let me let me bring it up. It's it's one of the best Twitter accounts I follow. Uh, I'd really recommend this. Let me find it. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Ah, it's called Internal Tech Emails. Oh yeah, yeah. You follow it? Yeah, it's sick. It started in May 2021, and so I saw 121,000 followers <laughs> in like you know, six months or whatever. Um, internal tech industry emails that surface in public records. So you know, if if a company is suing another company, then you know there's gonna, they're going to have to like you know, reveal a bunch of internal docu documents like emails and memos and you know, all this kind of stuff as part of like the the um, the, the lawsuit. Uh, and so you see really interesting stuff. You can see like emails that Steve Jobs sent to Bill Gates in like 1990. Yeah, so I mean, the, the pin tweet, maybe I'll just read out, uh, is Steve Jobs emails Eric Schmidt. Eric Schmidt was the CEO of Google at the time, March 7, 2007. So some, some random like Google recruiter somehow like added Steve Jobs to his like list and sent him some generic email trying to like hire him uh, to the Google engineering team. And Steve Jobs just forwards this to Eric Schmidt saying, Eric, I would be very pleased if your recruiting department would stop doing this. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> and then Eric replies, uh, yeah, and then you just sort of see Eric. Uh, what, did, what did Eric say? Eric goes, Steve, as a follow-up, we investigated the recruiter's actions and she violated our policies. Apologies again on this and I'm including a portion of the email I received from our head of recruiting. Should this ever happen again, please let me know immediately and we will handle thanks, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, Eric. Um, oh, that's cute. And the Google recruiting team said, oh, on this specific case, the sourcer who contacted this Apple employee, Steve Jobs, should not have and will be terminated within the hour. <laughs> <laughs> we are scrubbing the sourcer's records to ensure she did not contact anyone else. Um... Yeah, basically, a lot of these tech companies have like a no poaching policy where then, like, it's just bad for all of them if they're allowed to like try and poach each other's employees directly. Okay. Because then they're just like, it's just like a. Gets into an arms race. Yeah, it's just a stupid arms race, right? Um, it's anyway. like in Qatar where two people are competing for longest road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone else is just like, yeah. please keep on competing yeah, for longest yeah, road yeah. so I can just build my city. You do in that peace. over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so one, one of the latest excellent sources of like internal tech emails is the Elizabeth Holmes trial. Yeah. Uh, so Elizabeth Holmes, uh, you know, alleged, allegedly defrauded a bunch of investors for her biotech company. Um, I mean, there's some there's some really wacky stuff in there. Okay, so Elizabeth Holmes' daily schedule. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't seen that, the, the daily schedule one. 
I laugh at daily schedule now because it's like daily schedules in general are like uh, a sort of a meme in the Sigma male discourse. <laughs> oh, well, you've been keeping up with the Sigma male discourse. <laughs> it's just okay, we need to do an episode about the Sigma male discourse. <laughs> we can. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think essentially one person one person wrote a, a parody of what what they thought a, a, the sigma male daily routine looks like and that went so viral that like now any daily routine type thing someone <laughs> yeah. will like retweet it saying like new sigma male routine just dropped <laughs> anyway um all right elizabeth Holmes' daily schedule circa 2005 to 2009 it's also quite funny that this daily schedule was written down on the on the sort of note paper of uh, the Raffles International Hotel in Singapore, which is a really fancy hotel. Uh, All right, so 4 a.m., rise and thank God. Most things are not logical. 4 4 to 4.15, wash face, change. 4.15 to 4.45, meditate, clear mind. 4.45 to 5.20, work out. 5.20 to 6.20, change, shower, shave, perfect. 6.20 to 6.30, Pray, mashallah. 6.30 to 6.45, breakfast. 6.45, drive to T-H-E. I don't know what that is. Maybe I carry him for the office or something. Uh, might be Theranos. Uh, lunch, salad with, yeah, dinner. Okay, and then she, written, she writes, I do everything I say word for word. I am never a minute late. I show no excitement. Calm, direct, pointed, non-emotional. In all caps, all about business. Next line, I am not impulsive. Next line, I do not react. Next line, I am always proactive. Next line, I know the outcome of every encounter. Next line, I do not hesitate. I constantly make decisions and change them as needed. I give immediate feedback, immediate in all caps, non-emotionally. I speak rarely. When I do, crisp and concise. I call bullshit immediately. My hands are always in my pockets or gesturing. <laughs> I am fully present. <laughs> sounds like affirmations. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like uh, some affirmations type stuff. Yeah, um, yeah it, just, <laughs> it just sounds really intense. Um, yeah. <laughs> what is this one? Um, no, I'm just uh, just the comments. Someone, someone said. <laughs> the most, uh, she, she, for her breakfast, she has in brackets banana and whey. I think she has an extra N in banana. And one guy goes, my main takeaway, colon, banana with like two N's in the wrong place. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, so it's just like super interesting. So that was that was uh, one thing which dropped recently. Um, another thing which dropped just now, um, which you know, your sort of daily routine stuff reminded me of. All right, Sonny Balwani Pursuit uh, has a handwritten note called Pursuit of Success in Business. This is also from the Elizabeth Holmes trial, so I imagine he's involved in... Oh, yeah, he was like the person that she's trying to pin all the things on. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. He has a, you know, non-negotiables. This is the title of the... This is all handwritten on some piece of paper. All right. Every morning... I, I think this is actually really cool. Every morning, I will force myself out of bed and spend 30 minutes, in brackets, never a minute less, to write, underlined write, what I want from my day. I will only spend time on things that are most important to cash flow, short-term cash flow and long-term strategy, and will spend less than 20% on urgent and non-important stuff. So 30 minutes of just sitting and writing what he wants to do that day. That's like every morning, the first thing he does. Um, I will never meet with anyone, direct reports especially, for more than five minutes unless I have written down why why I'm meeting with them. Yeah, I will... Always give, yeah, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it's just like super interesting, man, this account. So I'd, I'd recommend following. It's called, it's at tech emails on Twitter. Um, check it out. Nice. 
Cool. Maybe to end, I'll, uh, I've done some tweets recently. You have? I have. Oh, excellent. Back on. Do you want to read them? <laughs> yeah. All right. This is funny. This is funny. This is low TAM. <laughs> low total addressable market. Like few oh, people get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Here, here's a tweet. Dudes will be talking about priors and updating while their girlfriend is about to leave them. You're worrying about the wrong bays, bro. <laughs> so essentially, mm-hmm. yes. um, and there's a, a yeah, group. Explain it. There's a, a group of uh, nerds that use uh, that use words like updating uh, instead of things changing like, your mind. instead of changing my mind and priors instead of you know beliefs, beliefs or just things I used to do. You know, uh, these these are kind of technical terms from uh, probability theory and a, a chap called Thomas Bayes. Uh, you know, kind of uh, produced uh, a yeah, bunch of bun- bunch of work in probability theory, uh, specifically around like the equation for updating your belief about something or updating probability of something. Anyway, so a bunch of people use that. Anyway, the joke is that Bayes, B A Y E S, which is his surname, you know, sounds like like Bay, and their their girlfriend that Bay is about to leave them, so they're they're worrying about the wrong Bayes. Yep. That's how, it for this how, week. <laughs> how, 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 how did that do? It banged, bro. Like 600 likes or something. Oh, damn. Yeah, dude. That That's was not sick. bad. Yeah. I don't think it's that low time. It's not low time amongst the tech community because like everyone everyone knows prior than updating because a bunch of nerds just keep saying that stuff. Oh, got it. Yeah. So. Great. Right. Well, thanks for listening. We will do this more regularly now. Yeah, we have a time in the calendar now. That is yeah. suitable. And I also have the setup at home. So like... Yeah, this is really easy because like, I'm, I'm around here a decent amount. So yeah. Yeah, man. So, great great to hang out. Uh, dude, please leave us a review if you liked um, the episode. <laughs> and we will try and be more consistent with it, as, we say, as we've been saying for the last six months. And we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.